Uh, would you stand with me in reading for the reverence of the, the Holy Scriptures? This is from 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to, appear, to another the interpretation of tongues. These are all empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Well, good morning. In case you don't know me, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I was checking this stand to see how solid it was because I like to preach from a big Bible, which gives you more authority, I think. Uh, not really. It's just uh, this, this Bible is kind of, I don't know, it's just been with me a long time. So, uh, we are going, we've been in this series on the Holy Spirit for quite a while, and we began by talking about who the Holy Spirit is and uh, sort of defining the, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, and then we transitioned into talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and Cameron has talked about the kind of the, I don't know if you'd call them like awesome, supernat really supernatural feeling gifts of the Spirit manifestations where people are like, whoa, that's insane. And then some of the more mundane gifts of the Spirit, like administration and, and leadership and um, hospitality and stuff like that. And now we're, we're going to, to talk about um, the, specifically the gift of healing. And you might be wondering why should we spend an entire week, you know, just a Sunday, just on this one gift of healing. And, uh, well, I don't know. But I do know, right? So here's, here's one, one way to look at it. Okay. How many people here know somebody who has the gift, say, of teaching? You know somebody and you're like, they are a gifted teacher, okay? Or somebody who has, um, says in here, somebody has a, a gift of, of wisdom or, or a gift of knowledge, right? Just about everybody has that. Who, who here knows somebody who has the gift of healing? Okay, one, that's like one, one person. Uh, so we need to acknowledge the fact that we all know somebody who has a gift of teaching. There are lots of teachers around there, but it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of healers out there, right? So that's, that's something we need to talk about. But here's another question that, that highlights it. How many of you are currently praying for somebody for healing? Okay, that's everybody again, right? Now keep your hand up if, uh, if you've ever had, prayed for someone for healing and they don't get healed. Yeah, that's everybody. Okay, so we need, to talk, see, we need to talk about this, right? Uh, because the Bible talks about it, and in some ways our experience of this gift uh, maybe is not aligning with what we're finding here, or maybe it is. We need to talk about it and find out. So um, I'll just tell you why I think this is in some, some sense rel relevant to me. I have a, a friend, my closest friend in high school, who we sort of fell away from the faith together, um, when, I, when the Lord met me, I had him in my bedroom, drunk as a skunk, and I was telling him how, like, the Lord saved me, and, I, and what his first response was, 
My mom has always had migraines, and we have prayed and prayed and prayed for years. They brought the elders in. They anointed her with oil, and she still isn't healed. That's, that's his reason. That was his reason for not continuing in the faith. So this really matters. I know for some of us this can be really theoretical or whatever, but for some people, your faith wagon is hitched to this question, right? Someone you know, someone you love, maybe yourself, maybe someone else, is in need of divine help, and they're not getting it. So this is serious. This isn't just theoretical. And I'm saying that because I am going to talk sort of theoretically in, in some sense, and then, and then we'll get back here. There's a guy who my sister texted me this week. And she sent me a text message and said, hey, be on the lookout for this guy. Sent me a picture. His family said, hey, he, he's in Portland, and we haven't heard from him in a few days. Uh, we think he might be lost. Be on the lookout. Find out later he's in the ICU because he got T-boned. He's got busted bones everywhere. He's in a coma. If you guys remember, pray for him. He needs healing. He's already had multiple surgeries. He's starting to come awake. Things are starting to move forward. But here's a family, has someone they love, who is in need of healing. And by the way, you can come talk to me afterwards if you want to help out this family. They're actually from Southern Oregon. So his parents, or his mom and his sister, or whatever, they're here in Portland probably for months, and they're kind of living out of the hospital. So if you're like, hey, I want to bring them a meal or I have a bed that they could take a nap on or you want to support this family in some way, please come talk to me. Um, there's a great opportunity to be Jesus' hands and feet. But anyways, I'm, I'm saying all that to get us to the point where I'm like, this, this really matters and it matters to all of us and it matters deeply. That's why we're talking about it. So here's, here's the way we're going we're gonna to proceed. I like to give you the roadmap before we start walking on the trail, Okay. We're going to start with the theoretical stuff. I want, to, I want to back away from this whole healing thing for a minute and just say, why in the world do we even need healing? Why is this a problem? You could imagine there would be a world in which we didn't need healing. Right? So we need, we need to talk about the sin problem. We need to talk, talk about the broken world issue. And then I want to talk about why does God heal? Why does Jesus heal? Why should God even care? And then we'll get back to this question of why is it that in our experience very often... Maybe not very often, but often enough for it to be disturbing. We pray, we ask for healing, we look for someone who has this gift, and we can't find it, okay? So bear with me. If you're, if you're really suffering, your faith is hanging on by a shred right now because you're not getting healing in prayer, I understand that what we're going to say might feel not very close to home and, and feel very unhelpful. So I just want to acknowledge that. We'll get there, okay? We'll get there. So let's start with, why is healing necessary? Why, why do we even need healing? And the obvious answer, if you're a Christian, you know the Christian story, the Christian explanation for why the world is the way the world is. It's a broken world. It's screwed up. And in the Christian story, the world was not always this way. God created a paradise in which perhaps, I don't know if you've thought about this, I thought about this way, what if Adam was reaching out for one of the fruits in the tree of life, he's, you know, hanging onto a branch and he fell on his head. Would he just bounce? Would he just walk away and be like, that was fun? Or would he have actually gotten hurt, you know? But either way, Adam and Eve, they took the fruit. They turned away from God. They said, we're going to decide for ourselves what is right and wrong. And in doing so, they broke the world. They broke the world. And now we have sin and death and decay and things breaking down and your body hurts. And the older you get, the more you realize that this is the way things are going. 
You know, the second law of thermodynamics is real. We are all going towards entropy, towards chaos, not towards order. The world is not supposed to be this way, but it is. That's why we need healing, because things seem inexorably bound to go this direction, right? They're, they're going that way, and you can't stop it. Paul actually talks about this in Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read it just so that you don't have to listen to, to me and what I say. We should be listening to what God says through Paul here. Romans chapter 8. I believe it's in verse 20 or 19. Paul says this, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That's us. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of of the glory of the children of God. You see what he's saying? Is that right now creation is bound. It's in bondage to decay. It's bound to go this direction and it longs to be set free from that. Right? So this is one reason why we need healing. Another reason, uh, and now we're going to start getting more personal, is that, uh, yeah, Adam and Eve did that and now the world is screwed up. But we all contribute to this too, right? We, We need healing because because we're dumb, you know? Like, we, your body breaks down, you get sick, and it could be because I'm staying up too late and getting up too early and putting too much junk in my... Like, I actually do stuff to contribute to the breakdown. And I don't just do stuff physically, like, intentionally. I do things accidentally, you know? I maybe take risks that I should not take. Um, but I also am infected by sin in my mind and in my heart and my attitude towards life and my attitude towards others, right? So you may not just stay up late and eat junk food and you get sick, but you might be sick with this condition called sin. In fact, I'm pretty sure we all are. But one of the the great um, mysteries of sin is its ability to make us believe we don't have it and everyone else does, right? Uh, it's like a, it's like a spider. I don't know if you know anything about spiders. I used to love science when I was a kid. But most spiders, their bite does not kill their victim. Their bite paralyzes their victim, and then they can suck the life out of them while they're still alive. Sin is like that on us. It, it infects us so we don't know. So we're like, okay, I don't know what's happening. And then it sucks the life out of you and sucks the life out of everyone else. We're all contributing to this. So we, we'll, have, we'll have this idea of, uh, you know, Adam did that. What an idiot. I wouldn't have done that. You know, there's this sense of, in which, like, I am the exception. There's all those other idiots out there, and they're the problem with the world, but not me. I'm somehow exceptional. Or perhaps the worst way of it, for us in the West especially, is we have this attitude, right, where um, when something bad happens to, in our life, Let's just say, let's just, let's just get, go really low-level bad. You turn on the hot water faucet, and it takes like 30 seconds. Oof. Someone's not doing their job. Someone's not doing their job. I need my hot water right now, right? <laughs> this is called entitlement, and we all got it. And whether it's hot water or somebody getting too close in your space when you're driving or riding your bike on the road... We all have this sense of like, yeah, you know, bad stuff happens, but then why is it happening? It shouldn't be happening to me, right? I should be having a healthy, happy 80, 90-some years of life. There's this sense in which we actually feel entitled to that. 
right? And you might say, well, um, I, I'm not saying I feel entitled to it. I just think that that is, that's what's right, you know? Because I might say, well, uh, why do you feel so entitled? You think that you should have peace. What about people in Ukraine? What about children starving in Ethiopia or somewhere else? What makes you think you're exceptional? And you might say, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not saying I'm, section- I'm exceptional. I'm just saying that we live in a world where nobody should have to deal with these things, right? No one should have to deal with that. So, so in a sense, either we're all entitled or you might just be saying, hey, in the garden it wasn't that way. You're just tapping into the fact that things aren't the way that they should be. But be that as it may, we all have this sense of we deserve it. It's like we are in God's world driving his car and we run it into something else of his and we get hurt and we're like, God, you need to pay the bill. That's entitlement, right? So I might get upset about people starving somewhere else, but if I'm starving, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. We need to, everyone needs to stop everything and pay attention here. So we do not... My, my point in saying all this is we believe that we should have a happy, healthy, 80-some, however long, long life. We actually believe that we are entitled to that. We might even think that we deserve that or every human being deserves that. In Christianity, though, what we learn from the cross, from Jesus dying on the cross, if Christianity is true and we say that he died in our place as our substitute, what we actually deserve for stealing God's car and wrecking it into God's world and hurting ourselves, what we actually deserve is death on the cross. That's what we deserve. We don't deserve healing. We deserve to be punished for our wrongdoings. That's what we deserve. So, why in the world should God heal us? This, is, this transitions us into the other one. Why in the world should God heal us? Uh, is it because he owes it to us? I submit that the answer is no. It is not because he owes it to us. It's because of who God is. There's nothing outside of God himself. There's no authority that says, God, you know what? You should have compassion on people. You should take pity on people. You should not get them what they deserve. You should be gracious to them. It's God himself binding himself to this idea, right? And you can see this in the scriptures where, you know, er early on, you see uh, in Moses, in the Exodus, and then again in the prophets, you'll see when, when God does these miracles, sometimes they're healing, sometimes they're destructive, but they're miraculous. And God will say something like this, this will happen so that you will know that I am the Lord. Says that over and over and over again. If you want to see this Front and center, read the book of Ezekiel. It says this, just look up the word no. Find a concordance or like online Bible or something. Look up the word no in the book of Ezekiel. It's everywhere. He says this is going to happen so that you'll know, so that you'll know, so you'll know. But it's not just there. It's all over the Bible. But more importantly, more importantly, what does it reveal about God when he heals? In Exodus, when God takes the people of Israel out of Egypt, he tells them, I am Yahweh, your healer. It's actually a title that God has for himself as to how he relates to us. God is our healer. His heart is to heal. In fact, his heart is not just to heal his friends, his special children, but you can find in Jeremiah, God's saying to Babylon, the people who were uh, causing all kinds of pain on his kids, God says to them, I would have healed you, but you would not have it. It says that, Jeremiah 51. God is a healer, not just of his people, but of his enemies. 
And you can see God's heart, really, uh, probably the, the, the biggest way of seeing this is in John chapter 11, where Jesus is at the tomb of Lazarus, right? You, if you guys are, ha, have, have been familiar with the Bible for a while, you, you know this story. Jesus has this friend, Lazarus, who has died, and Jesus is at the tomb, and he sees people weeping. He sees them mourning. And then the Bible, in the English translation, says, and Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled which is a real, real pansy translation for what it really means, which is that God, it, Jesus is enraged and really, we would use the word ticked off. It's, the, the terms there are for a bull that's snorting and, and stomping its hooves, ticked off. Why is Jesus ticked off? Because he hates death. God hates death. He hates seeing his creation suffer. And so he's a healer. He's revealing his heart. He wants to not only create, but to restore what's been broken. This is why he wants to heal, and this is why you see with Jesus, he's a healer. Even the, even the people who opposed him acknowledged that he's a, he was a healer. The Pharisees said, yeah, but he heals by the power of demons. So they didn't deny that he was a healer. They just said he was doing it by the power of Satan, not by the power of God. He was acknowledged as a healer. That's who God is. Why does he heal? Because it's who he is. He doesn't do anything other than that. That's his, that's his mode of operating, is to heal. If you were to walk down the street and someone were to jump out and go, Rah! scare you, what would come out? Maybe a fist, maybe another scream. <laughs> what comes out of God? If you were to jump on him, healing, blessing. Grace, that's what comes out of it. It's because of who God is. That's why he's going to heal. Now, so, we live in a broken world. We contribute to the brokenness of it. We don't deserve healing, but God does heal because it's his desire to heal. So now we're getting to the, to the real crux of it. Why do we not experience this as often as we would like to? And here, I'm, I'm trying to tread very lightly so I'm not just kind of giving cold comfort to those of you for whom this is a serious existential crisis in your heart right now. I don't know why God has not answered your prayer for healing. I can't say definitively that in this particular circumstance, here's why it hasn't happened yet. I can't tell you that. I can tell you a few other things, though. Healing does happen. And it happens right now in this age. It happens mostly in other places in the world. If you look in the right places, you will know. It's not going to make the news. It's not going to make the news, so you have to know where to look. But in other places, primarily rural places, places where they have largely lack of access to what you might call modern medicine, places that are largely unchristianized, actually, there are healings occurring. And whole villages are coming to Jesus because somebody was healed. That's actually happening. So it does happen. God does heal still today. So we should continue to pray for healing because he can do it. And he does do it. I will also say this. If you feel like you're alone, God isn't listening to you because you've been praying for healing and it's not happening, you are not alone. You are not alone. If you look in the Bible at the, the healings that happened, the Bible spans at least 4,000 years of history, at least, okay? 
And you have like two generations where there's healings. That's it. You had to either be born here or here, or you're not really gonna, you're not gonna really see many of them. So you're in the majority, you're in, you're in good company as somebody who's like, hey, I've been praying and, and it hasn't happened. So, so you're not alone, okay? The other thing I wanna say is that if you're praying for healing and it isn't happening, it isn't because Jesus doesn't care. And I want you to hear me say that. When Jesus was here, when you read the Gospels, could you say that Jesus cared for people, that he really cared about people? Of course. You don't even have to be a Christian to say that. He cared. Now here's a question. Did Jesus heal everybody? No, he did not. He did not heal everyone. There's a whole village of Nazareth where it says he could not do any mighty works there. There's also a story uh, uh, in, in John 5 of a guy who's a paralytic at a pool. And Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And the man says, well, every time I try and crawl down to the pool when the water is stirred up, somebody else beats me there. Meaning, he's not the only one there who needs healing. But from the story we got, he's the only one who got healed that day by Jesus. He didn't heal anyone else. So Jesus doesn't always heal. But he does care. It's not because he does not care. Why might Jesus care but not heal? That's a good question, isn't it? Jesus gives us a clue in John chapter 5 where he says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. See what Jesus is saying? He's saying, I'm not just going around pointing the finger to heal people. I'm doing what I see my Father doing. And somehow in the Father's wisdom, he sees fit to perform some healings at some times and others at different times. That still may feel like really cold comfort, right? still may not answer the question of my son, my brother is in the hospital with broken bones everywhere, he may not make it. Still somewhat cold comfort. Would it help to know that God himself, God did not spare himself from this, from this feeling, from this sense? Jesus was on the cross. His father could have healed him and he didn't. Sure, he would have liked it. Jesus said the night before, if there's any other way, would you show me? And there was no other way. Jesus felt alone on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You're not alone. Why would the Father forsake the Son on the cross? Because he sees through it. He sees through this age. We tend to prioritize this world and this age, right? We think that the best thing that could happen to me and to those I love is that we should thrive here, that we should have 80-plus great years of uh, wonderful, peaceful relationships, of, of no health problems or health care costs, or anything like that. That's what we think the best thing that could happen to us is. You know what God thought the best thing that could happen to us was? 
best thing that could happen to his son was, was that he would be killed on the cross so that we all could be taken up with him forever and ever into a world where all healing will be taken place. All of this will be resolved. Everything will be restored. We would be brought to him. The Lord is working something in this age to purchase something for you and I. It was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross, despising the shame. You know, the, um, Jesus didn't heal anybody at, in Nazareth. But you know what happened out of that? Two of his brothers from Nazareth ended up believing, and they wrote two books of the Bible, James and Jude. There's another guy Jesus didn't heal. He was healed in Acts chapter 3 after the Spirit came, and Peter and John healed him. See, it says he was laid at the beautiful gate every day when you go into the temple. Jesus went through that gate, and he didn't heal him. But you know what? That man ended up believing in Jesus, and he bore witness to the glory of God. And keep in mind, too, remember that story of Lazarus. Actually, what had happened before Jesus was at the tomb is he knew that Lazarus was sick, and he didn't heal him. And then before Jesus raises him from the dead, he says he's doing this in order that you might believe. And John tells us in chapter 20, he says, Jesus did many other signs that aren't written here, but they are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and by believing in him, you might have life in his name. And life isn't just you might have health or extended years here, but you will have life, an entirely new kind of existence, something that, that the circumstances of life will not be able to penetrate, will not be able to jar you. You will be able to not only survive, but thrive, even when your circumstances are horrific. That's available to you. And he wants us to be able to see that, not to ignore this age. Now, there are some who, who will go like, okay, you're talking about pie in the sky, by and by, what happens here doesn't matter. That's not what I'm saying. What happens here matters. It really does matter. But our eyes are so attuned to this age that we think that God's got to do right by everyone here. In truth, what if your life, what if the, the, you get to your 80 or 90 years or whatever, and you had a healthy, happy life, and then you get to 100,000, 100 million years after that, and your life is miserable? Which would you prefer? What if the end of your life here is just a tiny fragment of the overall extent of your life. And what you have to endure here is just the tiniest little down payment on the greatest thing that you could ever possibly experience. Okay, may not have convinced you yet. Here's, here's the last illustration that I want to give. Uh, I have a daughter, two-year-old, Trinity. We were trying to sleep train her. I don't remember when this was. It was, she was at so many months. But when you're trying to sleep train a child, you're trying to teach them that it's okay when they wake up to go back to sleep, right? And this is, this is an important thing they need to learn, right? Because I don't know if, don't raise your hand, but does anybody here still sleep with their, in their parents' bed with them? Does anybody have their parents holding them when they wake up at night? Okay, so it's kind of important for, for the rest of your life that you, you learn this skill, right? 
So I, she, she wakes up and, and she's crying and I go, into, I go into the room that she's in and she's there in the bassinet and I'm a few feet away and she's crying and she's reaching her hands out to me and in her little mind she's going, Dad, why don't you pick me up? I know exactly what she wants. She wants to be comforted. She wants to be held. She wants me to tell her everything's going to be okay. This is exactly what she wants. Her whole world is taken up in this one thing. Dad, pick me up. And I'm standing there and I'm going, Trinity, I cannot pick you up. I can't do this. I want to. I want to so bad. But because I love you, I'm going to stand right here. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to sing to you. I'm going to cry with you. But I can't pick you up. What if that's how God is with us? What if God knows that at the end of your life, you're only a five-month-old, and for the rest of your eternal existence, what he's doing in delaying this for you is turning you into the kind of person who can truly live forever? What if that's what God is doing? Would you be okay with that? Would you be okay with that? The most important healing for you and I is not of our bodies, because you know what? Every single person that has ever been healed has then died. If I'm blind and I get my sight back, I'm probably going to go blind again. And if I don't, I'll probably get cancer or whatever else. You know, both my grandfathers died of lung cancer. I'm doomed, you know, no matter what happens. If I get healed of it once, I'll probably get it again or get something else. You're still going to be doomed. But there's hope on the other side. And that's what I want for us to see. I think the Lord wants us to see that. Yes, should we pray for healing? Absolutely. Should we expect healing because God is a healer? Yes, we should. Should we expect that God's going to heal everything of everything in our life and we're going to have a wonderful placid existence here until the end? Probably not. But we should ask for God to give us what he is willing and trust that in his time he is going to bind up all wounds. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. And the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the promissory note of that. That's the check to take to the bank to cash for ourselves. If you believe in Jesus, this is what you have to look forward to. If you don't have Jesus, if you don't believe in Jesus, what do you have to look forward to? You not only can't believe in healing because you don't believe that he's going to do it, but even if he did, you're still going to die, and then what? You need Jesus. We all need more faith, more trust in Jesus, that he knows the universe, he knows reality, he knows what matters, he knows what's best for us. So come to Jesus today and ask him to settle your hearts. If, if you're praying for someone and they haven't been healed yet, I encourage you, stay at it. Jesus told this story of a, of a woman who kept on bugging a king for justice. And he said, finally, the only way I'm going to get this woman off my back is if she, and get her to shut up is if I just give her what she wants. And in the, Jesus telling that parable, his point is that God is not like that stingy king that you have to keep pestering. He's willing to give, so shouldn't you all the more be continuing your pestering? So keep asking the Lord for healing. But know that there's so much more that he has for you 
for those you love than just your healing here in this life. The gift of healing. He's given it to his church to build us up in our faith, but he's given us the gift of the healing of our hearts as an even greater gift. Amen?